Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can open them to Psalm 136. If you don't happen to have a Bible with you this morning, you should be able to locate a paperback Bible underneath one of the seats nearby in front of you. And our text is on page 299 in those Bibles, Psalm 136. We'll read the entire psalm this morning, all 26 verses. So let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. This is the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord abides forever. You can be seated. Well, we know that Thanksgiving this week, and that means that Christmas will soon be upon us, which means that many of you will soon be watching a Christmas story. Or It's a Wonderful Life, or maybe Christmas Vacation, or perhaps even Elf for the 10th, or the 15th, or the 20th, or 30th time you'll be watching these things. Because after all, some things are worth repeating. Isn't this why there's reruns of shows like Seinfeld and constant syndication, and why entire seasons of The Office or Frasier are streaming available to watch at all times because some things are worth repeating 
And if you watch sports on TV, you know some of the most spectacular plays in the game are on replay over and over and over so you can see them again and again because some things are worth repeating. And perhaps the thing that is most worth repeating is captured in Psalm 136. Sometimes referred to as an orphan psalm because we don't know who wrote it. But whoever wrote the psalm repeats this phrase 26 times as a kind of refrain to conclude every single verse. You might have picked it up. His steadfast love endures forever. Now this term that's translated steadfast love here in the ESV is translated differently in various versions. Your translation might say his mercy endures forever or his loving kindness endures forever. Other other translations translate it just love, sometimes faithful love, sometimes loyal love. And all of these translations are an attempt to translate the Hebrew word chesed. It's not a chesed with an H, it's chesed. It's a Hebrew term that perhaps is best captured by understanding it as God's gracious, unbreakable, committed, covenantal love and devotion for his people. And obviously this psalm is about the Lord's chesed, his steadfast, committed, covenantal love. But notice also that it's a fitting thanksgiving psalm because four times we are called to give thanks to the Lord, three times at the beginning and then once again at the end. And we can infer from this that there's a connection between our thanksgiving and God's steadfast love. And the connection is this. God's steadfast love is the ground, the foundation, the root for our thanksgiving. Our thanksgiving is grounded in the steadfast love of God. And we know that 2020 has been a hard and difficult year in many ways for the world, for our nation, for many of our communities, and maybe for you personally, 2020 has been a hard and difficult year, but we need to remember that our thanksgiving is not grounded in our circumstances. Our thanksgiving is not dependent upon the situations that we are experiencing or the surroundings that we find ourselves in. Our thanksgiving is grounded in the steadfast love of God. Our thanksgiving is provoked, it's prompted, and it's powered by God's steadfast love that endures forever. And let's explore that in three ways. First, our thanksgiving is provoked by recalling God's steadfast love that endures in the past. Our thanksgiving is provoked by recalling God's steadfast love in the past. This psalm, if you notice, reads as a kind of catalog of events that evidence God's steadfast love for his people in the past. And that recollection, that recalling, provokes thanksgiving. It includes recalling God's great wonders in creation in verses four through nine. Specifically, it mentions that God made the heavens, that he spread out the earth above the waters, that he made the sun and the moon and the stars to rule the day and the night. And it's this contemplation, this consideration of creation, the wonders that we behold in the universe, the light that brightens darkness, and allows for life to flourish and the beauty of the earth. It's a consideration of these things that can and should produce a response of thanksgiving because creation gives evidence to the steadfast love of God that endures forever. But the psalmist doesn't just recall God's great wonders in creation. 
The psalmist also recalls God's work of redemption in verses 10 through 15. We can see that he celebrates God's justice that struck down the firstborn of Egypt and then that drowned the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. He mentions both of these, thi- both of these things. And note what a fitting form of justice that is. Because remember that Pharaoh had attempted to strike down God's firstborn son, Israel. Israel is, de- is um, defined that way or described that way. In Exodus chapter four, Israel is my firstborn son. And Pharaoh had attempted to strike down God's firstborn son by drowning Israelite babies in the Nile. How fitting a form of justice is it that God then struck down Pharaoh by drowning his army in the Red Sea. But he goes on to celebrate that God rescued his people from that slavery in Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. We read about that in verse 12. And he redeemed them to make them his own. And it's this great work of redemption recalled in the past that provokes thanksgiving and causes the psalmist to call others to give thanks to the Lord. But it's not just his great wonders in creation or the great work in redemption, it's also God's providential guidance, his compassionate protection, and his covenant faithfulness that he traces in verses 16 through 25. Note how the psalmist celebrates how God led his people through the wilderness for 40 years how he overthrew their enemies, specifically mentioned Sihon and Og, kings on the east side of the Jordan, how he eventually brought his people into the land that he had promised them as their inheritance, as an expression of his faithfulness to his covenant promises. He brought them into the land that he had promised. In fact, the psalmist even goes on to consider that God's providential care extends to all flesh in verse 25, how God gives food to all of the animals, and that all the nations of the world enjoy the blessings of his common grace poured out everywhere. And each of us, certainly in this room, can recall evidences of God's steadfast love to us in our past, in our personal pasts, from our childhood on. We can think of the ways that his providential guidance, his compassionate protection, and his covenant faithfulness has actually been evidenced in our life in so many different ways. We also can thank God for the things that are mentioned here, creation. That God's work of creation still provokes us to give praise to God. But we also have some of these things in greater measure than the psalmist did at the time he writes this. Some of these blessings in greater measure than the Israelites experienced because we have a greater redemption than just redemption from slavery in Egypt. We have been redeemed by Jesus through his strong hand and through his outstretched arm. Or maybe we could even say it this way, through his nail-pierced hands and through his outstretched arms on the cross, Jesus has gained for us a redemption, not just from slavery in Egypt, but he's redeemed us from the bondage of sin and death. And so this provokes our thanksgiving. We give thanks for what God has done in the past. But the psalmist recalls these things in the past, not just to be nostalgic. He does so to prompt us to trust God's steadfast love in the present. So let's look at that second. Our thanksgiving is prompted by trusting his steadfast love that endures in the present. We shouldn't think that his steadfast love is just something that endured in the past. The refrain is his steadfast love endures forever. And that brings us to today, to now, to the present hour. His steadfast love continues. Think of this, we still enjoy God's great wonders of creation that surround us. 
The sun and the moon and the stars are still fixed in their places. You know what that means? That means we don't live in chaos. The creation that's maintained by God's enduring, steadfast love means that we don't live in chaos, regardless of how that might feel at times, especially in the year 2020. With the coronavirus and with racial tensions and rioting and injustice and hurricanes and political bickering and a presidential election that's being contested, all of these things can make us feel like we live in a world of chaos, but we don't. We live in a world that is stable. We live in a world that is ordered because our God rules over all things. He has appointed all of these things. These things are not out of his control, as Mike reminded us. They're out of our control, but none of these things are a surprise to the Lord. He rules over all things with a steadfast love that endures forever. And trusting in that, that that steadfast love is ruling over things today, prompts our thanksgiving. But we also have God's continuing work in our redemption. He continues to sanctify us by his spirit. He's still at work in our hearts and lives to sanctify us. He still speaks to us. We still hear his voice today. God hasn't just spoken in the past. He continues to speak to us today through his word. This is a living word. It's living and active. It speaks to us. It informs our minds. It gives us light. It transforms our hearts by his grace, he continues to speak. We continue to enjoy his deliverance. There's redemption from things like violence and sickness and things that we aren't even aware that he's delivering us from, from crazy distracted drivers on the road that he protects us from and we're unaware of it, from sicknesses that we don't catch. I mean, remember that coronavirus isn't the only sickness there is out there. There's all kinds of things to get sick from and the Lord protects us from so many of those things so that we enjoy a measure of safe travel enjoy a measure of good health and we trust in his continuing providential guidance compassionate protection and covenant faithfulness that meets us right here in the present we trust his provision even as we prepare feasts of food for this week out of the abundance of the good things God has provided for us we acknowledge his providential guidance his care his compassion, and his faithfulness to provide the things we need. But we can trust him for these things even when things are hard and difficult. Even when things are hard and difficult, we can trust that God is still at work. He's doing something good. He's doing something redemptive in us because God tells us that he uses suffering for his glory and for our good. It's not pointless. It's not meaningless. The word tells us that he disciplines those that he loves. And even though no discipline is pleasant at the time, it produces a harvest of righteousness in due season. He tells us that we have this treasure in jars of clay to remind us this is all surpassing power is not from us, but from him. So we learn to depend upon him. We can trust that his strength is made perfect in our weakness and we learn to trust his promises, his covenant faithfulness to be good on his word, that his grace will be sufficient for us each day to meet whatever the challenges are. Still faithful even in the difficult times. Thanksgiving doesn't mean that we have to deny the present reality of hardship and difficulty. In fact, 
Thanksgiving becomes even more important in the midst of difficult times because it's a way of recognizing, acknowledging, admitting, and confessing that our Thanksgiving is not grounded in our circumstances. Our Thanksgiving is indeed grounded in the steadfast love of God that is enduring in the present, even in difficult times. Even in times of low estate, to use the words of the psalmist in verse 23. And this is a truth that has to be burned into our souls by constant practice, constant acknowledgement, and constant repetition. Burned into our souls by constant repetition, even in times of difficulty. Enter Psalm 136. Constant repetition, reminding us of this truth, that his steadfast love endures forever, including right now. His steadfast love is enduring to you and to me. And trusting in this prompts our thanksgiving and it allows us to sing words like this that the hymn teaches us to sing. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, he is the ruler yet. He's the ruler over all these things even now. And so whatever else else is going on in your life, whatever else is going on in the world, his steadfast love endures forever, including in the present hour, And that prompts our thanksgiving. We can do that even when things are difficult and hard and things will be difficult and hard because sin has entered into our world. Sin has corrupted the creation, the cosmos. Sin has corrupted our hearts. Sin has corrupted our relationships so that love and justice are occasional at best. That the enemies of God and his kingdom continue to abound all around us. But our thanksgiving is powered by the reality that things will not always be as they are now. And that leads us to the third thing. And that is our thanksgiving is powered by anticipating God's steadfast love that endures in the future. Steadfast love endures forever, the past, the present, and the future. Present circumstances will not endure. These present circumstances that are around us now that we see on the news They will not endure. Your present circumstances, whatever they happen to be, will not endure. And that is worth repeating, but not as much as this is worth repeating. Your present circumstances will not endure, but the steadfast love of God for you will endure forever. That is worth repeating. Because in the future, God's great wonders of creation will be on full display in a new creation, in the new heavens, in the new earth where every trace of the curse and every trace of sin will be erased. And the work of redemption in us will be completed. It will be perfected because not only will we have been delivered from the guilt and the penalty that our sins deserve, not only will we, we, will we be delivered from the power of reigning sin, we will be delivered from the presence of sin entirely as we are ushered into glory. And we are ushered there according to God's providential guidance, his compassionate protection, and his covenant faithfulness as he brings us into the inheritance that he has promised to us and he provides for us by his grace. He ushers us into that inheritance that will be characterized by justice and righteousness and perfect peace. Will Jesus, where Jesus will vanquish all of our enemies, including the devil himself. Well, he will protect us from the ravages of death and decay and all sickness where pain and crying will be no more. And we will follow faithfully 
our good shepherd, risen from the dead, the one who gives us life, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'll follow him faithfully to that great banquet of life that he provides for us and that is ours to partake of by faith in him. That's your future because God's love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And so our country and this world might end up in a heap of ruins, maybe sooner rather than later. But your inheritance, your future is secure. It is certain that inheritance is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you because his steadfast love for you endures forever. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is testifying to in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, where we, where we read these wonderful words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is speaking of his chesed, the steadfast love that endures forever that he has shown to us in the giving of his son, Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. It's this gracious, committed, unbreakable, covenantal love that is ours in Christ Jesus. And it is secure. And it's announced to us in the good news of the gospel. And so the psalmist ends where he began in verse 26 with a charge to render thanksgiving to the God of heaven. By recalling the steadfast love of him who was in the past and by also trusting the steadfast love of him who is in the present and anticipating the steadfast love of him who is to come in the future. To him who was and is and is to come. He deserves all of our praise and all of our thanksgiving. And so it may be this truth, may this truth provoke and prompt and power your thanksgiving. Not just today, not just this week, but at all times. May it be this truth. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Our great God in heaven, we render to you our thanks. For you indeed are worthy of our thanksgiving at all times for the things that you have given to us in the past for the things that are ours in the present and the things that you've promised in the future lord we give you thanks fill our hearts with gratitude that we might render sincerely and consistently and faithfully thanksgiving to you today this week and for all time knowing that this is true that your steadfast love for us endures forever thank you in jesus name amen